What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation. As promised, the Hoop Ball Lakers podcast is back, and dare I say, better than ever. This is your host, Ethan Noroff, joined by my man, Dan Bespris, today on today's episode, here to talk about the draft, free agency, and everything Lakers. But of course, before we start doing that, Got to remind you guys, we are brought to you by Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee. Thank you so much for keeping us caffeinated so we continue to bring you the premium content, A-plus stuff. We couldn't do it without you guys. Isn't that right, Dan? That is correct. I wanted to do my best uh, Chris Farley from, what is that? That's Billy Madison scene, right? That is correct. When he's doing his, oh, uh, yeah, yeah this, their their little game of, uh, of strip quiz. <laughs> I think you're... Most people, I don't know if anybody knows what I'm talking about anymore. Yeah, uh, H.I. Kona Coffee, if you want to check them out on Twitter. Um, what's up, Ethan? I actually, I don't know if people knew this. I was actually in Vegas for the last three days. I snuck out of town, and then I and I squeezed my way back into town, and I tried to do it under the cover of Nightfall. So what you're really telling us is you went down to Vegas to place that futures bet on the Lakers winning the championship. You know the odds are uh, <laughs> horrible. They're, pretty, they're not. They're not exactly in your favor right now after the Anthony Davis trade. They're terrible odds. Those are just uh, they're three to one the last time I looked, which is just atrocious considering the team hasn't uh, doesn't have enough players to field a, a roster at this point. <laughs> How could they? I mean, I get it. I get it. There's a lot of hype behind it, and everybody's heard me talk about it. I'm as excited as anyone, but those are some horrendous gambling odds. I like the Warriors, actually, as a, a futures bet, but that's a topic for, uh, I think, probably another podcast. Uh, yeah, I, there there weren't any. We, um, I, I don't know. You know, you sign up for these, like, the, the different Caesars owns half the places, and then Wynn owns half the places, and MGM runs the other half of the... You get, you know what I mean, and so if you're on their different mailing lists, you can get all sorts of free stuff, and so that was that was our goal. See how much Vegas we could do for free, and uh, my wife is fairly lucky in general at gambling tables, so we often do okay as long as I stay out of the mix. I just tell her what to do, and then her luck takes over. Good life advice for any married man: just stay out of the way and have the wife take over. <laughs> You'll wind up happier on more days than not. That's very true. 
Yeah, but you know what? Once you're married for a really long time, then you just then you can do whatever the hell you want. That's my that's my take on it. Uh, either that or I'm just. I, it must be my dashing good looks. No, I don't think it could be that. What what did I, what the hell did I miss though, Ethan? Let's talk about Lakers stuff. What did I miss? Well, we we missed the drafting of Taylor Horton Tucker, aka Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Not not really. Just for some reason, the triple name reminds me of the former Home Improvement star and young Simba himself. Uh, <laughs> Taylor Horton Tucker is a guy who most Lakers fans didn't even know existed five minutes before he was picked. The Lakers didn't even think they were going to have a pick five minutes before they acquired him, and all of a sudden he's the steal of the draft, and the Lakers got a huge value. And oh my God, we have a big four with Kyle Kuzma, Anthony Davis, and LeBron James, and Taylor Horton Tucker now. <laughs> now, but in all in all sincerity. I mean, look, it's easy to get excited about, you know, what what could be right. The allure of potential like Lakers fans do this better than anyone else pretty much on the planet in any sector, in any industry. Get excited about, oh, my God, it could be this. It could be that. It could be this. It could be that. What if we do this? What if we do that? And they start to fill in the gaps with these unknowns and and often the extreme best case scenario regardless of what is actualized in reality or not but look Taylor horton tucker's a guy who you know the advanced metrics seem to love him he's six foot four with a seven foot one wingspan it looks like a guy who could develop into a plus defender needs to get into better shape you know work on that body a little bit of course he's rep he's repped by clutch sports because Who else, right? Yeah. Of course, just happen to throw that in there. And look, I'm not knocking a player or clutch, but you know, I, I don't think that's exactly a coincidence. Let's call it that. And as far as the player himself, you know, he's the type of guy who, in theory, you think could develop into a perimeter defender, maybe a three and D guy. And the Lakers are definitely going to need guys like that on this roster. And you know, those are the kind of guys. I had a friend use this line yesterday, and I thought it was good. He said those are the kind of guys that are made but shouldn't necessarily be paid, meaning in free agency. So I thought that was a really good way to look at it because we were discussing, you know, there's a lot of conversation about out there about should the Lakers do this, should the Lakers do that. The reality is they have to do something. They've got four players on the roster, assuming that Jones, uh, Wagner, and Bongo will be traded for that additional cap space with Taylor Horton Tucker now in tow. So you've got to fill it out one way or another. My main take on this, and I'm curious to see where you land on this, I know we d- discussed it a little bit, is – Look, when you have that max player or that third star who's close to a max slot, those guys tend to outperform or at least uh, match performance in terms of their contract number on a far more frequent basis, sorry Chandler Parsons, than those role players who are paid up to be something that they're not. And in a free agency class where so many teams have cap space and so many teams are going to have to spend big numbers, I would rather the Lakers be patient when it comes to those role players, pursue the third star or that third name that you really think fits, spend big on that, and then fill out this roster with the with the salary exceptions, with minimum contracts, because you have guys like Reggie Bullock, whose bird rights you have. You have guys like David Nwaba, who's an afterthought of an afterthought in this free agent class, but actually showed he could be a valuable player for this Lakers team not long ago before he started bouncing around. So when you have have all these guys out there who are capable of filling out these depth roles the lakers are going to look a little bit more like the warriors of recent years in this particular sense only they're going to have to rely on those alfonso mckinney's of the world they're going to have to create a sean livingston story etc cetera, etc cetera, in order to support their cause because otherwise if they go the role player route and let's say they sign and i love patrick beverly i think he'd be a great fit for this team but he's looking to cash in he's never really had that opportunity in his nba career prior and i think he's looking to cash in so i love a guy like that on this team danny green would make sense but i don't know that i'm excited to pay for that so if the if the option is danny green and patrick beverly or some combination like that versus a kemba walker or kyrie irving or a name at that stature to me it's really not even a conversation 
Yeah, the the part of all of this that actually uh, kind of comes down the hardest on me is the uh, what comes after that, which I know is sort of like a weird way to look at it because right now everybody's really uh, laser focused on what's happening this exact season. But the reason that I agree with you on this one is more so, and then I'll, I, I know nothing, by the way, about Taylor Horton Tucker, everybody, but everybody that listens to me on the fantasy podcast knows that I don't really pay attention to college players. Um, just quickly here to knock that one out. Uh, the Twitter world really seemed to like it. And so, well, I'll just roll with that. Uh, he can shoot, he can defend. Uh, I heard someone call him mini Draymond at some point. I thought, all right, well, I'd be okay with that. I, I mean, 6'4", he's, he would obviously be... Uh, outsized a little bit, but he does have that kind of stocky frame uh, that you mentioned as well. So I, again, I, I don't know a whole lot about it. I know the Lakers needed second round guys to to kind of start fill out the roster. They signed like four dudes for their D League or uh, G League, sorry, not D anymore, G League team as well. Um, these are guys that I don't know a ton about, and and we'll see how things shake out on that front. On the free agency side, which uh, I also I know you mentioned Pat Beverly and Danny Green. I love those two guys. And I think that the Lakers might even be better this year if they signed those two guys versus, say, Kemba Walker, if we just made it like a one-to-one comparison. But where I think the Lakers would be far better served to get that max guy, the the Kemba, the Kyrie, the Jimmy Butler, even Jimmy Butler, who I think is generally kind of a bad fit with this team, is when the when those contracts start to get a little bit deeper, uh, when the team is now... Anthony Davis and this new guy, whoever we're talking about, the Kyrie, Kemba, Jimmy, etc. That's a team that will have more leverage in bringing in additional players. When LeBron James's contract runs out in two plus one more years, if that team has Anthony Davis and another star, even if it's not mega super Anthony Davis level star, that pair of guys, I think, would have a stronger influence on bringing in a new third star on the team as opposed to say, all right, it's Anthony Davis. All of these contracts to role players are just expiring now, and AD's got to rebuild the team all by himself. That's okay, but there's no guarantee that it, that a new guy comes in. If he goes into that meeting with another star already in tow, I think it actually seals up the fact that Lakers could be good not just for the next three years, but maybe for an additional three or four years beyond that. So to me, that's where that third star makes the most difference is actually down the line uh, and in the short term, it's a little bit more of a wash in my mind. But uh, everybody's so worried about what's going to happen when these Lakers are conveying their picks to the Pelicans in you know, 2024, 2025. That's where you got to make sure you've got the ability to bring in another superstar and stay good so those picks won't matter that much. Right. And I, and I want to walk it back a little bit, too, because I think you make a good point about the short term versus the long term. You know, we've heard a lot of criticism about the Anthony Davis trade, which let's just stop there. Right. Isn't that an amazing sentence? The Lakers acquired Anthony Davis and we've heard a lot of criticism about it. Wow. But moving beyond that, the Lakers have gotten a lot of criticism because of the timing of the trade. So let's move past the fact that, like we talked about, most people think they didn't have enough. Then somehow they gave up too much. And now we're at a point where we're saying. As a collective, wow, the Lakers really screwed up by acquiring Anthony Davis when they did because they didn't give themselves enough money for that max free agent. Now their path is much more difficult. I'm sorry. Does anyone have specific insight into that room or the conversation between Rob Palenka and David Griffin? Do you know the dynamics of what were discussed? What if Dave 
picked up the phone, called Rob back and said, hey, here's the deal. Take it or leave it in 10 minutes. Otherwise, he's going to the Knicks. I'm not saying that's what happened, but who's to say it didn't? Who's to say that there wasn't an ultimatum put in place and there wasn't a deal that had to be made? And the reality is when you have a trade, a chance to trade for Anthony freaking Davis, you trade for Anthony freaking Davis and you figure out the rest later. What am I missing here? Uh, nothing. The, the problem is that they, the Lakers really needed to do a better job of getting out in front of this. Uh, because I agree with you, I sort of don't care about all these little things, which maybe makes us maybe makes us the fool. Maybe we should be more concerned about these little details that are going to determine whether or not they can afford another max free agent. Uh, but you know, I'm more I'm more with you on this one as well, where I feel like you know they had to do it, and everybody's like, well, they could have waited it out. They couldn't really, you know, that it would, how, how and how and honestly, how has waiting it out gone for the Lakers over the last five to six years? Has it produced anything good besides very LeBron lucking, lucking into LeBron James last summer? That's just about it, right? That's it. That's completely it. I, and, and, you know, I, I, on paper, it would have been good if the Lakers could have waited and, you know, New Orleans loses leverage with every game that Anthony Davis doesn't play in a different team's uniform. But frankly, Everybody knew the Lakers had this tiny window here with LeBron still at near LeBron status on the basketball court. And so as much as they'd like to be able to say, yeah, we can wait this thing out and try to get him for you know a lower, lower price, they had to get him early and they just had to do whatever was required to get it done. Listen, I you know, I love Kyle Kuzma. He's not like the superstar that everybody wants him to be. It's nice that they were able to hang on to him. And they I mean, basically they gave up about the same amount as the trade deadline. I guess it depends on how those picks way down the line actually turn out at the, you know, the 2023s and 2024s and stuff like that. Uh, but I am with you. I, you just, you sort of have to do it. You figure out the rest later. Uh, it would have been nice if they could have executed the trade on the 30th, but it doesn't sound like anybody really wanted that besides the Lakers. Cause then the draft picks can't play in summer league. Um, right. And so, you know, <laughs> From my standpoint, I think the one thing the Lakers really did wrong was if they knew that this stuff was uh, going to be coming out in the media, and Lord knows everything always does because other teams are going to leak, leak stuff to make the Lakers look silly, uh, even if the team itself isn't doing the leaking. They needed to put something out to say, hey, we got this deal done. Uh, it's going to happen early. We're going to find another way to... to you know, make the cap space. I don't know how they can do that and actually stay within the rules of the CBA, but to have it come out as these little weird leaks that was just like, oh, you know, Lakers might not have known that they needed to get it done early. I hope that wasn't the case. I hope somebody in the room ha knew that it needed to happen on the 30th if they wanted to save that money or something related to the AD trade kicker. Uh, but to me, I, I'm going to assume that they actually knew what was going on. Man, maybe I'm wrong there. Uh, and the big problem for the Lakers was that they didn't get out in front of it from just the, the marketing standpoint, from the narrative. You have to put out your story before someone puts it out for you, and they they did miss the boat on that side. Well, I think, you know, there's something to be said for that, and I, and I hear you. But again, I just go back to the criticism of acquiring Anthony Davis is such a paradoxical statement in my mind. Like, you just acquired an all-time talent generational player in his prime. Oh, and by the way, you didn't have to give up Kyle Kuzma in the process, right? That's really the biggest difference between the trade right now versus the trade back at the trade deadline was the Lakers basically substitute in that third first-round pick, add in the potential swaps in those two seasons, keep Kyle Kuzma out, 
I think that's a pretty good trade to make within that trade, if that makes sense, because now you can move forward. Because, look, we're sitting here talking about the third star. Is that player already on the roster in Kyle Kuzma? I hope so. I'm not sure. Uh, do we know if his shot comes back? I hope it does. And that and that's really the big question, right? Because, look, we know he can score the basketball, but if he can shoot the basketball in addition to being able to score the basketball, then he's a better fit with this team, both in the short term and the long term. And the reality is when LeBron signed last summer, this entire timetable was expedited, right? We knew this was the direction the team sort of had to take if they were going to maximize anything within the LeBron James window. But at the same time, you know, Kyle Kuzma was asked to do a lot last season on a team that was brand new. There hasn't been a lot of continuity. Now he's got a year or you know at least a season's worth of games more or less between the injuries to figure out how to play with LeBron he seems to have the endorsement of King James he seems to have the endorsement of Kobe Bryant right that's a guy who he's really taking a shine to so it seems like he's got the endorsement of the right people and you know me I'm a I've always been a big Brandon Ingram guy yeah but to be able to keep Kyle Kuzma I think the Lakers have some you know, some optimism, if not great optimism, that he'll be able to develop into that third piece. But if they could add another piece right now that is reflective more of that superstar or star caliber player, whether it's Kemba Walker, Kyrie Irving, or another person. And the reason I keep bringing up those two names, I know Kyrie, it feels like he's overwhelmingly likely to go to Brooklyn. But I feel like if the Lakers are going to spend on a position in this free agent class, it almost has to be point guard at this at this juncture, right? Sure seems like it. I know King James is sort of the de facto point guard on the roster, but they've got to have somebody at that spot that can go get a bucket. It seems right. like to me. I mean, I'm I'm with you on that one. I know we were throwing Kemba around on the last show we did because it seemed like that would be the sort of the easiest one to fit in. There were the fewest strings holding him in place beyond uh, financial ones, which you know, for these guys, once they make a certain amount of money, then the, the financial aspect becomes uh, less of a burden on them. Um, but yeah, you know, we've heard the Kyrie rumors. Uh, Jimmy Butler had an Instagram post where he was wearing a Dodgers hat. So who the, who the hell knows at this point? We've heard rumors that the Lakers were linked to uh, Vooch, who would require most of their cap space, or uh, DeAndre Jordan, who would probably require like half of it. Uh, the, the, the D'Angelo Lakers are Russell. They're going to be linked to literally every free yep. agent center that exists. Yeah, right. You've because said it before. You got to have the big name team linked to the guy because that gets the price up. Right, and and the reality is, so of the names they've been linked to so far, like Vucevic in concept could be a fit, but I really don't see it at this juncture given the construction of the roster. Better name to play out in fantasy than reality in terms of team machination. Uh, DeAndre Jordan, like I get the idea behind a player like DeAndre Jordan. Oh, he's a rim protector. Maybe you could push AD out on the perimeter a little bit. I probably wouldn't cost as much as he did in the past, yada, yada, yada. But it feels like the Lakers really need more shooting around this team. So of the names that have been thrown out, and even Al Horford, like to me, Al Horford, love him, good player, really good player, smart, intelligent, selfless, not a fit for this Lakers team for me. Not at that number, uh, given what he's walking away from in Boston. Yeah. So to me, the name that's been mentioned that actually makes sense is Brooke Lopez, right? Brooke Lopez should have never left this Lakers team, right? That, that was a mistake. And I think if you ask anyone in that front office if they could have had that uh, choice back, they take it back rather than spending 25, 26 million on the 
lovely combination of KCP, Rajon Rondo, and Lance Stevenson. I think they'd rather have Brooke Lopez back. And so the good news from the Lakers' perspective, or really any other team's perspective interested in Brooke, is that the Bucks are limited in what they can offer him in terms of their ability to re-sign him, right? So that actually works as a benefit toward the Lakers. But if the Lakers or any other club think that they're going to get a discount for Brooke Lopez after the year, not only the year he had, but the team that he did it for, well, I think his market might be a little bit higher than a lot of people expect. So if they if the Lakers sign a Brooke Lopez, that basically takes them out of the running for a Max guy, I would think, unless he's taking the mid-level. So, right, right. That's really what the Lakers need to have happen, is if they get that third player, let's just call him Kemba Walker, and then they would need Brooke Lopez to take that mid-level exception. That's what would need to have happen. In that case, you know, is he just more likely to re-sign with the Bucks using their mid-level? I believe that they're going to have that uh, available. But don't quote me 100 on that. Um, so that's, that's really the reality the Lakers are facing. Right. And so there, there will be those value guys out there though. Like I still think that like a guy like Kyle Korver, who we talked about on last uh, episode, he could get bought out in Memphis after that trade from Utah. Oh, he definitely will. Right. I mean, there's, there's like a 99% chance he's a Laker this year. I I mean, I would have a hard time (laughs) believing that Kyle Korver wants to play on that Memphis team, uh, just because of where they are and what they're going to be. Plus they have Kyle Anderson. They have Jay Crowder. Um, Kyle Korver, they have Avery Bradley if he sticks around. Kyle Korver seems like more of a luxury than a necessity, whereas on this Lakers team, he would definitely be a necessity. And I think if you ask Kyle Korver where he'd rather be, he would tell you, well, I'd rather play with LeBron and the Lakers, right? Remember, they were teammates, so yep. there's something to be said for that. But I just, I think the Lakers are going to have a much easier time filling out this roster and free agency with those value uh, deals, whether it's mid-level, minimum, or any other salary machination than they would if they tried to pay for those role players. The What the Lakers are going to have to to do and this is going to be the hardest part especially if they don't land that third star name right away is they're going to have to be patient because you have so many teams with cap space they're going to be bidding against each other it's going to be like an auction house you know nobody's going to want to put down the paddle this can't be an off season where all of a sudden you hear the lakers you know on the first night of free agency really the first five minutes oh the lakers are finalizing a deal with timothy mozgov for how much money i'm sorry what <laughs> like you can't you can't have you can't have a situation like that, and I, don't, and I don't think that we will. But I think for the Lakers, what they've come to realize now is they finally got a situation where obviously LeBron is in tow, but you finally found a star who not only wanted to come to the Lakers, but has expressed a clear and open desire to the best of his uh, potential and ability right now to do so, to want to stay, right? That's what you've really been looking for because people will go down, oh, remember the Dwight Howard trade, the Steve Nash trade, the whole thing. Like Again, that like the Nets trade that sent Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett to Brooklyn, it's not even comparable. Steve Nash was breaking down, and by the time he got to Lakers, was all the way broken down. Dwight Howard was coming off a major back surgery, never really gave an indication that he wanted to be a Laker forever, just talked about how honored he was to be one. But before the Lakers were even realistically in the picture, you had AD coming out saying, hey, I want to trade out of New Orleans. Here are the four teams that I'd be considering, the Lakers being one of them. Oh, and I'm willing to resign. So the fact that the Lakers have that now, it actually gives them the ability to try to move forward with some continuity as opposed to so much uncertainty as they've had to do in the past. Not to suggest that their decision-making or their uh, ability to own it should be excused in any potential way, but at the same time, there's something to be said that you can operate differently when you know you have a certain baseline or a certain amount in your bank account, so to speak, versus when you don't. Yeah, that's kind of why I said I like the idea of getting the third uh, big guy in because you do have that sort of you have that player cachet at that point where you can take that uh, into the future 
Did uh, did that make sense too? I, maybe I'm talking out of my butt. I don't know. No, no, no. Totally, it totally makes sense. And I think you can bank on that now because it is easier to sell LeBron and AD versus just AD and uncertainty himself, right? As good as AD is, of course, it's always easier to sell something when you've got more to add to the picture. And the reality of this particular free agent class is, and this particular upcoming season, because of what the Warriors endured in the postseason with Clay Thompson's injury, with Kevin Durant's injury, I think teams see a window that wouldn't otherwise necessarily be open. And it's going to change this, the decision-making for not only the Lakers, but other teams around the league too, because I think teams are sort of smelling blood in the water, so to speak. And especially if Kawhi winds up leaving the Raptors, it's going to be a wide-open NBA. Do you believe the rumor that the Nets don't want Kyrie unless he comes with the injured Kevin Durant? I don't know if I believe that. I don't. I, I will say I don't know if I believe it, but I feel like it makes some sense. And let me tell you why. Kevin Durant's not going to sign a one-year deal anywhere he goes, right? Yeah. Like that's that's not on the table. There's just no way any team, including the Warriors, is going to say, hey, you know what? We'll give you a one-year deal so you can rehab. We'll build goodwill with you, and maybe we'll have the chance to re-sign you next year. Like, oh, and by the way, you're not going to play a single game for us. I don't see that happening. It feels like Kevin Durant is going to sign a four- or five-year deal. Obviously, five-year deal would be with the Warriors to put his roots down somewhere. I think what the Nets, I think the question the Nets are asking themselves is, look, if we can't get Kevin Durant, we know we can get Kyrie Irving, but are we better off just re-signing D'Angelo Russell and using that cap space to fill it out accordingly elsewhere, right? Because if you're signing Kyrie Irving, even without Kevin Durant, you're probably not bringing back D'Angelo Russell. I know there's been some conversation about, oh, those two guys could play together, but that strikes me as a very weird combo with two um ball dominant guards in the backcourt who are more offense than defense to say the very least it just it just strikes me as an odd combo especially with spencer dinwiddie and karis levert already there so i just i don't see that happening but um look i think the nets are going to be their players at the table and so if not uh kevin durant with kyrie irving it feels like they've put a lot into kyrie irving at this point but I just feel like maybe you're better off signing D'Angelo Russell and continuing to build from within. If you can't get that dream scenario this offseason, maybe it'll be available you know, next or, or even the one after. The, the good thing about the Sean Marks era is they've shown a willingness to be patient and remain uh, have their options available on the table and, and remain flexible in the process. But at a certain point, you got to go for it. It feels like this is their time to go for it. So I don't know that I believe it, but I could understand the logic behind it. I have two follow-ups to that because you hit on a couple of really interesting points. Interesting point number one is uh, if they do sign Kyrie Irving and D'Angelo Russell walks, could he be a Laker and would we even want it? Well, you, you've hit on the exact topic that my text thread with my best friends have been buzzing <laughs> about for the last 24 hours, right? Like D'Angelo Russell's Instagram activity and D'Angelo Russell's Twitter activity has been a big topic of conversation. <laughs> what a world so we live in now, huh? D'Angelo Russell liked a tweet that had the eye emoji from Kyle Kuzma. Then then Anthony Davis started following D'Angelo Russell on Instagram. And then I think Twitter had a small meltdown. And, you know, I think my phone might have overheated from all all the texts that I got. But nonetheless, (laughs) here we are. And there's a great video that's circulating right now with uh, Serena Winters from way back in the day. I think it might have been D'Angelo's rookie season even. And she asked him to build his dream starting five. And guess the two, yes, the two names that are included. No. Anthony Davis and LeBron James. Really? So, yes, sir. So let's throw so let's throw that in there as well. I mean, look, does it make sense? Yeah, it makes some sense. Um, is it reality? I don't know that I call it reality. And the other thing is, I, personally, 
I would like, like, I'm really hard on D'Angelo Russell, and he proved me wrong in a lot of ways last season and what was basically his coming out party and good on him. He has improved since he was last wearing a Lakers jersey. But for me, there are two primary needs from the point guard position. It doesn't need to be an either-or proposition, right? Like, you can have this in the same player or you can have it in two different, but you need shooting and you need defense. To me, on a team that already has LeBron James, that already has Anthony Davis, that already has Kyle Kuzma, right? Those are the certainties on this roster, if nothing else. You're going to bring in another guy who looks for his own shot first, who doesn't really play defense, who's going to cost you a lot of money and is going to force you to find value deals elsewhere when there are probably better options and better fits available to you on the table at that number. The logic and the emotion side are sort of competing, right, hand-in-hand hand against one another. So it, I can see that I can see how people get there. I myself am not ready to get there. Yeah, I'm kind of with you on that one. I liked that he showed some durability last year. That was a nice jump forward for him. Uh, the decision-making was obviously a lot better last year. His assists went up and his turnovers stayed roughly the same. Uh, shot 37% from three, which would be a really nice thing to have. But there are a lot of efficiency issues with D'Angelo Russell that, that crop yeah. up. Um, defensively, he's not horrible. He's better than probably the other two uh, max point guards we were talking about, Kyrie and Kemba. But he's not a good foul shooter, which the Lakers are going to need one of those with LeBron out there. They, they're going to need somebody to take the free throws at the end of the ballgame because Bron's shooting 60-something percent these days, and I don't know that that's changing. Uh, and someone that basically just someone that can be okay with uh, playing a bit more off the ball. And, and Russell has learned a little bit of that in Brooklyn, uh, you know, in times when Karras is handling the basketball or Dinwiddie. But we saw actually how much issue that team had when all of those guys were healthy. There really was sort of a too many uh, ball-dominant guys. And right. in terms, if this is the backup plan, if everything falls through and there's no Kemba, no Kyrie, no Jimmy Butler, I think, right. I'd, prob I think I'd probably still, I think I'd be okay with D'Angelo over the two role players. But I, I, yeah. I'm with you. I don't think I want him as one of my top choices at this point. Yeah, yes, yes. D'Angelo as a backup plan makes a lot of sense. But, you know, as a restricted free agent, all it takes is one of those teams to come on down and say, hey, D'Angelo, how'd you like to sign a fat offer sheet with us? I mean, look, could the Knicks be in, in play for D'Angelo Russell? Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, they could, actually. Right? Like, I, I could see the Knicks throwing out a rather large offer sheet D'Angelo Russell's direction saying, hey, you want to come play with R.J. Barrett? And we're not really sure what else we're going to – build here but we're going to pay you 23 to 25 million dollars a year four years 100 million dollars are the nets going to match a deal like that not if Kyrie's coming to town right so mm. i think d'angelo russell as a, as a plan b or, or you know another option on the board makes sense like i said i could see how people get there i myself am not ready to put myself up there and i think to pay that level of money to for d'angelo russell to basically more or less not to marginalize him to be a spot-up shooter, but if you have LeBron James ball dominant, Kyle Kuzma bringing the ball up the floor, you're feeding the ball to Anthony Davis. It's just like it feels like D'Angelo Russell's skill set is not the best fit for this roster. And let me put it like this, because Lakers fans in general have a tough time uh, sort of separating emotion from logic and or business, right? So if D'Angelo Russell had never worn a Lakers uniform before, are we having this conversation? I think as the backup plan. I think everybody's right. probably in the same boat as us. Right. So it, when you look at it like that, that's how I would encourage Lakers fans to look at it. If D'Angelo Russell never wore a Lakers jersey prior, would he still be the right fit or the level of fit that you think he is for this team based on everything else? And I think that's the probably the most fair way to evaluate it. 
But it's just an interesting set of circumstances, obviously. And the narrative sort of pushes that storyline forward. And you can see why it's easy for people to buy in, right? Like, I, I get it. But I just feel like, like you said, he's more of a plan B or even plan C than a, than a plan A or a plan one. The other point you mentioned uh, when you were talking about the Nets is kind of understanding when it's your moment to do something. Did we learn a lesson from the Boston Celtics on that side? Oh, our team's oh, oh, oh. going to be more aggressive now because they've watched Boston hoard picks for a half decade and kind of, kind of missed the opportunity to really go and push your chips into the middle. I, I, they're going into so, like a weird semi-rebuild now. Yeah, no, they're going into a rebuild. It's not even a semi-rebuild. Like, I, I had a great conversation with one of my best friends yesterday, and he's a, he's a big Celtics fan. And, you know, here's here's basically what he told me. He said, look, I've had some time to reflect on, you know, the season, everything that's gone on, that hasn't gone on, et cetera, et cetera. And he goes, I'm excited to watch whatever the Celtics team is going to be next season because, honestly, this last season was exhausting. And it wasn't even exhausting in a, in a fun way. It was just exhausting overall. And you could see it on the faces of players. You could see it on the faces of coaches. You could see it on the faces of the front office, of ownership. Like, just everybody felt like they were in a grind, right? Even the Celtics themselves talked about how the season felt like a grind. I think Danny Ainge, you know, in his tenure at the helm of the Boston Celtics, I actually give him a lot of praise for what he's been able to do, right? I think one of Danny Ainge's uh, crippling parts about him, when you're talking about people who are great at what they do or just any person who's really, really good, usually what makes them really, really good or great can also be their Achilles heel, right? Think about Kobe Bryant. What made him really great was his alpha dog mentality, that he was unwilling to let anyone else define him. But also part of his downfall, especially from moment to moment or game to game, was that same alpha dog mentality. It didn't matter if he was 10 of 12 or 10 of 200, right? He was still going to shoot the ball. So what made him great also contributed to that downfall. And I think with Ainge, you have a similar phenomenon happening where when he talks about trades, like Danny Ainge likes to make trades. There's a reason we all call him, hey, Dad, trader Danny, you know? But he likes to make trades that feel like they are an unquestioned win for his side. Even if they don't actually play that way out in reality, the on-paper win is very important to him. That's why it was easy to trade Isaiah Thomas and what felt like for him spare parts for Kyrie Irving. That's why it was so difficult for him to even consider the idea of trading Kyrie Irving. Even when, as we got through the season, because remember, we started with Kyrie Irving's resigning in Boston. Let's not even talk about his free agency. But before the trade deadline arrived, we kind of knew that, hey, Kyrie Irving might not be resigning in Boston. And, and if that were Isaiah Thomas or any other quote-unquote lesser player, I feel like we would have heard a lot more on the trade front during the season than we did with Kyrie Irving. It was really hard for Danny to detach himself from that level of player. And it was this allure of potential, like, oh, we can still turn him around. We could pair him with Anthony Davis, who I've been chasing for five years, et cetera, et cetera. They couldn't trade for Anthony Davis during the season because they couldn't have two of those guys on the designated player exception contracts, right? One of those weird CBA wrinkles. Yeah. But if last season, if last summer you really had the chance to turn Jalen Brown into Kawhi Leonard and you passed, hey, the Celtics could have gotten involved in Paul George before he went to OKC. You passed because you thought Anthony Davis, Anthony Davis, Anthony Davis. So this allure of the potential, the, the exploration of the unknown, well, until you actually get in there and explore it, you don't know what it's going to entail. And now the Celtics find themselves in this position. And, and a lot of people, and my, and my friend too, he said, you know, Kyrie really messed up everything for the Celtics. And yes, Kyrie, the fact that he started by saying he was going to resign and then basically flip that 
totally into a 180 and said, I'm out of here by the end of the season. While that did contribute, if you're going to give credit to the front office for bringing in those guys, you also have to lay blame at their feet when they're exiting for this reason or that reason with nothing in return. So now you have a situation where Al Horford is unexpectedly seems like he's going to walk out the door. Kyrie Irving's got two feet out the door. You've got Jason Tatum to lead the way. You've got Jalen Brown flanking him. But you just drafted four more rookies. Like every year the Celtics go into the draft with a plethora of picks saying, all right, this is the finally the year they're going to make a trade. And they keep winding up in this player development game. And I just want to know when, when does it stop? Like what are the Celtics building toward? Because right now it just feels cyclical and there's no clear destination. Well, as a Lakers podcast, we sort of can say with some measure of uh, happiness. <laughs> I don't know. There's, uh, you know, we'll give credit where credit's due. Danny Ainge has made a lot of these pretty incredible trades over the years, but it, it is kind of nice to to finally see them taking a hit uh, at the same time as Anthony Davis is joining LA. I was actually really surprised at your answer to that question, not because I disagreed, but because you're one of the few people I've heard. Uh, phrase it in the way that I've been trying to to put it into words, which is uh, what you said. Danny Ainge is unwilling to make a fair trade. He's unwilling to. He won't do one that could be perceived as a, as a loss for Boston on paper uh, because of all these things that might shake out. And it's true. Kyrie Irving sort of blew up the whole thing for them because they figured, all right, we've got this superstar locked in. We can be patient. We can make another trade that's wildly in our favor. The, the truth of the matter is the Celtics didn't need another trade that was wildly in their favor. They needed a fair trade. At the very worst, they could have gone the Lakers route and just given up a little bit extra if you have to to make something big happen because they were damn close a couple years ago. I mean, this this really looked like a good team and growing, and then everybody hot-footed it out of town. So we'll see how that whole thing shakes out. Uh, you know, I've said it on the other show. I'm pretty excited, actually, about the fantasy prospects in Boston now that everybody's leaving town. But uh, otherwise, not really our problem, and uh, we'll see how these guys, we'll see where some of those free agents end up. I'm, I'm trying to be pragmatic, Ethan, on the, the Lakers side of things, pivoting back to uh, the, our hometown team. Uh, Kawhi's not coming. I don't know why people are still talking about that. Kawhi's, Kawhi's off the table, right? Can we agree on that? I, I haven't even brought him up in conversations when it comes to the Lakers because, to me, it still makes the most sense for him to return to Toronto, but to me, it's either the Raptors or the Clippers. Like yeah. to me, it's a two-team race. Yeah, he's out. Um, Kyrie, I don't know. I, I'm not sure that I'm buying the fact that he's considering the Lakers. I, 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 it seems like he's pretty much locked into New York, and it feels like talk of other places is largely just to have something to talk about in free agency. I feel like it's Kemba, Jimmy Butler, or the Lakers move down the totem pole a little bit no yes yes i i would agree and i would say in that order too but can i just throw out one other max name just to consider i don't think it's going to happen but i don't think anybody's even talked about it and he would be such a perfect fit for this team literally a perfect fit you ready are you sure you're ready i don't know chris middleton yeah, we've heard nothing about Chris Middleton. There was one report like on Thursday saying that he's opting out of his contract and expects to re-sign with Milwaukee. Why isn't anybody throwing yeah. a bunch of money at this dude? Well, I think, right, that's that's the idea. Is I think everybody just assumes he's going to re-sign in Milwaukee for the max or something close to it. He wants to be there. He wants to build with Giannis, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm not taking anything away from that narrative, right? I think there is definitely something to that. But for the fact, for there to be absolutely no conversation 
about Middleton going anywhere else, even potentially or even plausibly. Like if you put Middleton on this roster, not only is he a three and D guy that the Lakers immediately could use, but also, hey, by the way, he's a really good player. Like he and he doesn't need the ball to make an impact. Don't the Lakers need players like that? Yeah. A high caliber <laughs> player, high basketball IQ, plays defense, can shoot the three, and doesn't need the ball to make a difference on a team that already has Kuzma, AD, and LeBron. It may it would seemingly make some sense. Now well, he's not gonna be the level of uh, sex appeal in terms of his name isn't gonna be, you know, a Kemba Walker, a Kyrie Irving, et cetera, et cetera. But in terms of actual logical fit on this team, Man, he would make a lot of sense. You know, I'm gonna I'll go one one click further in this same uh, boat or path or whatever you, metaphor we want to throw in. If he does re-sign with Milwaukee and the Lakers don't get the max guy, I would love for the Lakers to throw some money at Malcolm Brogdon. Mm, yeah, see, I His, I don't necessarily disagree. Like Malcolm Brogdon is a really good player, and I think he is going to get a big offer sheet, and it's going to test the Bucks' wherewithal, their ability to resign. Yeah, probably could, too much. Could, <laughs> probably I, more I than the Lakers would. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I could see some team really getting in there and throwing Brogdon an offer sheet of eighteen to twenty million annually. Yeesh, that's that's a that's a big number, right? Even though I like Malcolm Brogdon, but that's a big number. And if you're talking at that level, I just feel like the Lakers are going to be out because it's so close to that that cap space number. But in addition to, especially for the Lakers, is I don't think they're going to want to have. I don't think they're going to want to have to tie their money up in a restricted free agent because if you do submit that offer sheet, then your money, your money, your cap space, it's tied up until that team makes its decision. So you don't want to be in a holding pattern and let point. other players come off the board during that. But if Malcolm Brogdon somehow becomes an unrestricted free agent, if the Bucks are forced to renounce his rights in some weird scenario, then it becomes a whole different uh, conversation, right? So I think the Lakers are probably not on Malcolm Brogdon, but it's going to be interesting to see what team pays him because the Bucks are going to have a real decision to make. There. Yeah, we can't afford him. We can't afford him. You're right. I mean, it's going to take too much money and too much time. I just I love the fact that he was shot 50% on like almost all jump shots last year. That dude is... That dude is the pillar of efficiency that you'd love to stick around a LeBron James, Anthony Davis core. It's why, I mean, it's why he fits so well with Milwaukee because they got all these other guys that are, you know, ball handlers and he can just find a spot and go hit, you know, 94% of his free throws and, you know, 40% of his three pointers. Did he go 50, 40, 90 last year? I feel like he was close. Uh, I'm sure he was close. He was he's close. He's- He's he's one of the he's one of those guys. I call I call him the president just because he looks like so official, suited and booted, right? That's my nickname for Malcolm Brogdon is the president. Um, but when you but when you look at what he's been able to do during his Milwaukee tenure, I mean, look at a team like again, I, I hate to keep saying the Knicks, but the Knicks could could you throw a fat offer sheet at Malcolm Brogdon? Oh man, player? Makes sense. the Knicks by, are going to do something way, stupid, Malcolm, aren't they? Are the Knicks going to do something yeah. too, super stupid this offseason when the the max guys aren't coming? Tell me you could see a scenario where the Knicks wind up with Malcolm Brogdon and Julius Randle as your as your big signs. Thank you. Come again. <laughs> yeah, okay. I, I do. I mean, I very much do because we've heard nobody linked to the Knicks lately. Nobody. Right, right. So like the Knicks, the Knicks could return DeAndre Jordan, sign Malcolm Brogdon, bring in Julius Randle and more or less be done. I could totally see that scenario happen. Mm. Right. We talked we talked about this a while ago. I remember when it was like January or February, we're starting to sort of preview free agency and the Knicks were talking about Kyrie and KD. And I think I said something like, hey, the Knicks are sitting here talking about Kyrie and KD, but watch it be Marcus Gasol, maybe Kemba Walker and some spare basketballs from Brooklyn that they roll on down. Right. So it, it could easily be a scenario where they wind up with those 
tier B or even tier C players in terms of this particular free agent class. Malcolm Brogdon, by the way, did go 50-40-90 last season. 50.5 from the the floor, 42.6 from three, and 92.8 from the line. So that's that's definitely an efficient player. The profile makes sense. I just don't think the price point will. I will throw out one non-max free agent just while we're on the topic here. Because he's a guy whose name I came across recently, and, and we've heard literally nothing about, despite the fact that he enjoyed a pretty good season down there in Charlotte, is Jeremy Lamb, right? Oh, we've heard uh, yeah. a lot of smoke about Kemba Walker and the Lakers, but man, Jeremy Lamb would be an excellent fit for this team. Yeah, he'd slide into that shooting guard spot really easily. Long dude, actually a really good rebounder from the guard position. Yeah. That's kind of a nice, yeah. rare, uh, and a fantastic foul shooter. He gets fouled, he gets to the line, he'd be... We talk, I just mentioned a moment ago, Lakers need somebody that they can go take some free throws late in the ball game. Right. Uh, I'd be okay with Jeremy. Uh, but again, this is the, you know, if they don't get a max guy deal, right? Right, right. I mean, I, I think so, unless you talk about giving Jeremy Lamb part of or your entire mid-level exception in that scenario, you could have something like that. But Jeremy Lamb, since he got to Charlotte, he's basically been about a 45% shooter. Um, he's been a little up and down from, from the three. That's my only concern about him. You know, about 35% last year, 37 the year before, but only 28 the year before that. So mm. a little bit of inconsistency there. That's my only really what if with Jeremy Lamb. But like you said, a good rebounder at the guard position. He's active defensively. He's long, a really good foul shooter, 88.8% last yep. year. Durable last two seasons. He's only missed a combined four games, uh, four regular season games total. So he's a guy who if the Lakers can split up that mid-level or if they're looking for those, those guys on a mid-level who uh, may not be the obvious fits. I like Jeremy Lamb a lot. And, you know, a guy like uh, Tre- Trevor Ariza is, is going to get some conversation now that he's back on the free agent market. But can I just say, I had this thought to myself yesterday, how sweet would it be Jamal Crawford and Vince Carter, one-year minimum deals, fill out this bench, chase the ring? <laughs> give, it to me right, give it to me right now. I'm, I'm signing me up for that. The Centrum Silver Squad coming off the bench? Well, I'm just, you know, it really it started with Jamal Crawford because Jamal Crawford can still play. He can still go out and get 50, as we saw at the end of last year, right? He can still give you buckets. This team is going to need a sixth man who can come in and score uh, pretty much immediately right off the bench. So that's why I said, hmm, Jamal Crawford might be a really interesting fit on a minimum contract. And then one of my buddies said, oh, what about Vince Carter? Wouldn't that be fun? Oh, I love and, it. And you know, Vince, Vince Carter is more of a celebratory cheerleader at this point in his career than, than he is a every night rotation player. But he could still get out there and hoop if you really needed him to. Uh, but look, if you could add, I, I mean, I think Jamal Crawford makes more sense than Vince Carter from a basketball perspective, but from a nostalgia perspective, imagine LeBron James in, you know, I don't want to say the twilight of his career, but on the other side of his prime and, uh, and Anthony Davis coming in. And then you have Jamal Crawford and Vince Carter sort of flanking them. It would create a great image if nothing else. And, you know, really back up that Hollywood mantra. It reminds me almost too much of the Gosh, was that like 2003? I'm going to guess my years messed up a little bit when the Lakers brought in like every future Hall of Famer that was pushing 40 on that last yes, run. Yes, Gary, the Gary Payton, Carl Malone era. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but those guys had to play big minutes, I guess, would be the difference on this one. Hey, can I throw one more, uh, you know, half your 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 salary cap guy into the mix? And Darren Collison yeah. is his name. There's mm-hmm. another super efficient point guard guy but again we're getting off point here because we still want you and i have agreed we still want to fire the big guns at a max guy move the pieces around but but this sort of even but this exercise 
it kind of reinforces that point because look, we've just been sitting here tossing name after name and kind of not pulling them out of a hat, but pretty easily naming them. And we haven't even gone searching for those values or potential bargain deals, right? Look, look, what about, what about a guy like TJ McConnell, right? Is he going to cost a lot of money in free agency? If you bring him in as a second string point guard, as a backup, I think Alex Caruso gets a shot at that job, but a guy like that even. So, Again, if nothing else, this sort of reinforces the point of why Lakers should be targeting that third star, that third max name, because you have all these other options available to you in free agency. But yes, if you're looking for that that value spot to go back to Collison, you know, f- good shooter or good enough shooter, I should say, kind of in between uh, 47, 49% from the floor, but a good shooter from three. And that's, that's really what this team needs. Uh-huh. They need three-point shooting like that's that's been true since I think before Kobe retired at this point but they need legitimate three-point shooters on this team I mean guys like you have Reggie Bullock's bird rights guy like David Nwaba found some success a few years ago with the Lakers you have a lot of options for agency and and teammate of Darren Collison Boyan Bogdanovich I think he'll get paid I don't think he'll be a Lakers target but it would be easy to see why the Lakers would have interest in his skill set and what he brings to the table so you're going to have all of these options and at some point these guys after the money starts drying up are going to be forced for lack of a better way to say it to take a discount or to take a below market deal so the Lakers may not come out of the gates blazing hot but my advice for Lakers fans is to not take in patience as a sign of inactivity or unwillingness to be active patience is the most important thing the Lakers can have right now because now that you have got Anthony Davis in the fold any mistake you make, so any oops Lance Stevenson signing is going to be magnified that much more. So you really have to concentrate on the right fits and let the values find you. You have a natural selling point now. You have LeBron James, you have Anthony Davis, you have Kyle Kuzma. Let the players come to you and let the market set itself. Don't set the market artificially. I think that's the best thing the Lakers can do when it comes to filling out the spare parts or the supporting parts and really putting an emphasis on that third name to pair with AD and LeBron. No disrespect to Kyle Kuzma. I have two short questions for you, Ethan, and I think we can put a pin in this thing. Question number one, uh, the Lakers apparently are making a run at Ron Adams on the Warriors staff and would have to pay him handsomely. This feels to me like a very good idea it doesn't count against the salary cap. I say pay the son of a gun whatever he wants. Well, I, I love it. You know, whether or not it happens, the thing that I love about it is that the Lakers have a seat at the table, right? Yep. That Ron Adams is willing to meet with them. If nothing else, that sort of helps the Lakers re-legitimize themselves in terms of NBA dynamics and as a, as a place of destination. And so, yes, I think if you can throw a lot of money at Ron Adams, go ahead and do it. You, I mean, you have a coaching staff that includes, obviously, is headed by Frank Vogel. You have Jason Kidd. You have Lionel Hollins. If you want to add Ron, Ron Adams into that mix, go ahead and do it. I mean, I think the more experience you can have on that coaching staff, uh, the more respect or guys that specifically LeBron James respects that can be on that coaching staff, the better. So I just love that, that this conversation is even taking place. Like, yeah. I think that's, that in and of itself is a win for the Lakers. It's nice to see them kind of going outside the little tiny uh, genie bus uh, Linda Ram circle that's very. that was so that was so refreshing on that side um very I, I mean that was uh the other question i have for you, and this one's a little bit this one has a few more teeth in it i guess and maybe we we roll this one as the teaser into our next show is if the lakers make better decisions in free agency and you know the the ron adams story is is a good decision and you know the i, I don't know what player is going to eventually get signed here and we'll find out in in one to two weeks i guess uh, forget the draft because Lakers have actually been pretty good in drafts um, 
over the last half decade. That That's less of an issue. Um, free agency. If the Lakers make better decisions in free agency, let's say they strike out on the max guys, because those are the easy decisions to make. Does that mean that magic was the problem? It's a hard question, right? It's, I don't yeah, I don't, and I don't know if uh, if it's an if A then B situation either, because there are so many other variables and dynamics in place that it's hard for me to draw a straight line between outcome A and outcome B. But at the same time, I think <clears throat> you know, in life and especially in this business, in the NBA business, we ask people to value the process and focus more on the process and the results. But in life and in society we're evaluated by our results largely, right? Not necessarily the process itself. So that becomes sort of tricky to navigate when you go through that <laughs> circumstance. And you're un- yeah. And, 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 you know, if, if your process is correct, but your results aren't right, how do those, how does that align in the, in the heads of the evaluators out there, so to speak? So I think, look, if nothing else right now, you're going into the offseason or you've gone into the offseason now that the draft is behind us, I should say, with an unquestioned win in your pocket. Like, yes, you gave up a lot for Anthony Davis, but you should give up a lot for Anthony Davis, right? He's Anthony freaking Davis again. And now you have unquestionably a better core than you've had since Kobe Bryant was on this Lakers roster. And I'm not talking about like, you know, the last year that he was on this Lakers roster. I'm talking about when they were winning championships because no disrespect to those young guys, Lonzo, B.I., I I will really miss watching B.I. play in a Lakers uniform, but anything that those kids were building was not going to be comparable to what Anthony Davis and LeBron James can do together. I'm sorry. It's just not. And so now you have a new baseline from which to evaluate, and I think the Lakers, as a result, they can operate from a different place, both in terms of their day-to-day, in terms of team construction, and their overall business because you're just – you're not an undetermined asset at this point or you're not an – uh, an unevaluated asset, you have a defined value at this point, right? Not only are you the Lakers, but now you have Anthony Davis and LeBron James. So it gives you more capacity to operate um, differently in a lot of, in a lot of uh, circumstances. So if I'm the Lakers, what, I, what I'm happy about right now is the fact that we have Anthony Davis, we have LeBron James, we have Kyle Kuzma. Uh, we, we drafted a player who we thought should have gone a lot higher and Taylor Horton Tucker, right? We're optimistic about that. But then I'm uncertain about, you know, what, who is going to be my third name, uh, what paths I can take as a result. But that's why it all has to be calculated and with patience. And the, and the key thing is everybody has to be on the same page because if anything is fragmented through this process, that's how you're going to start seeing things come apart at the seams. But if everybody's on the same page, even if in the event something doesn't work out, then it's a lot easier for everybody to stay together. And I think after everything the Lakers have gone through since LeBron's arrival last summer, this idea of everybody staying together, which Frank Vogel spoke about as it, at his introductory press conference, everybody from the players to the coaches to the front office to the staff that works in the facility, I mean, everybody has to be on the same page. Then I think the Lakers will be able to derive more continuity as a result. All right, that's all I got. You got anything else? Free agency is right around the corner. As long as Timofey Mozgov isn't bought out from his Orlando Magic Pact, I ain't got nothing to worry about. <laughs> RIP, RIP, Mozgov is still in, is he in Charlotte now? I think he's in, I can't, yeah, I don't know. I can't, Orlando? I can't, even, I can't even keep track of where he's at. I want to say Orlando. Yeah, I think it's Orlando. Well, it's fine. Right. We'll, 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 we'll rest on, uh, we'll go to sleep with hey, Orlando. Eddie, anyway, shout out to Timofey Mozgov. Go get your money, man. Nobody's mad at you except Lakers fans, but we moved on from that a while ago. He is in Orlando, by the way, collecting that cool 16.7 mil. Yeah, it's not his fault. 
Somebody, somebody nope, offered Mitch him that Kupchak, contract. Yeah. Shout out Mitch Kupchak. Maybe, uh, maybe Mozgov takes him out for a nice dinner. I hope at least one. 15 right. to 20 per year, for goodness sake. Uh, the Hoop Ball Lakers podcast. We can we can uh, officially put a bow on this bad boy. We'll get another one going. Don't worry. There's free agency rumors all the time. Uh, I'm at Dan Bespris on Twitter. You're at Ethan underscore Noroff. You got it. Yeah. I am Ron slash Burgundy. Yeah, I'm Ron Burgundy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Ethan underscore Noroff on Twitter. Find me there. Definitely make sure you download and subscribe to the Hoop Ball Lakers podcast. If you leave us that review, five stars. We appreciate you as always because we can't do it without you. So without you, there is no us. Ubuntu culture. We appreciate all y'all. <laughs> That's a perfect way. That's a perfect way to sign off. I don't even know why I said anything after that. I'll talk to you later, Ethan. All right, sounds good, my man. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.